Hey, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you guys joining us. If this is your first time joining us and you like it, then tell somebody about it and subscribe and follow and comment and things of that nature. Yes. Um, yeah. So we are now live on YouTube as well. We are posting the videos up there. So if you want to, if you're more of a visual person, go check it out. I wouldn't say we're live. Yeah, not live on YouTube, but the videos are on YouTube. Um, so, yeah. Um, our guest today is Paul Sharp. He is a retired police officer, I think of 22 years. He's a jiu-jitsu practitioner. He is out of Illinois, uh, SBG there in Illinois. And pretty interesting dude. He's been in the jiu-jitsu world for a long, long time and He's kind of a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that. So, kind of cool to have him on. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I guess we can... Uh, Let's do it. ...get into this episode. So, you guys all, all settled in? Yeah. Got settled in... Uh, start tomorrow morning so gonna be exciting yeah, so yeah. I haven't, uh haven't done warrior. i've done a lot of different programs haven't done one for warriors so i'm kind of stoked about that mm-hmm. so you know i'm just uh <clears throat> the, the whole i don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept behind it but it's kind of like the couch to 5k program except for in mma mm-hmm. so they they can't have a they can't have any kind of fight in their background. They can't have any uh, con- like boxing, none of that stuff. They have to be just like a fresh newbie that just wants to train like a fighter for 12 weeks and then have a match at the end of the 12 weeks. So it's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, I've, some of the- I've heard a little bit about it over the past couple of years. Um, that, that's pretty cool that they do. Is that put on specifically by SPG? Yeah. So it's put on by SPG um, Kavanaugh. Let me shut this thing. Uh, Kavanaugh, uh, Conor McGregor's coach, uh-huh. is, is kind of one of the kind of one of the main guys behind it. And um, so they have like a huge program going now. Scott Viscomi is the guy in the states that kind of heads it up over here. So it's really cool. You know, it's just it's primarily been SPG, but it's starting to branch out to other places now too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, it's like, you know, it's kind of like people need that crucible. You know, people need that uh, rite of passage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And this gives them this gives them that that they might not have got in other places if they don't have a military background or or they never competed. You know, in any kind of contact sport, they never really had that feeling of just sucking it up and driving on. You know, like. You know, football two a days or wrestling two a days, that kind of thing. You know, so it gives them gives them that experience. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, props to them. I don't know if I'd want to experience it at you know forty years old, but you know, <laughs> yeah. if it was the first time. I mean, I do it now. You know, I train like six hours a day, but I've been doing it my whole life. I was know? gonna say you've been doing it what like the since the early nineties. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine though being like brand new to this whole thing and jumping in two days and yeah yeah 
Yeah, I, I do it, man. Props I, to them. I started jujitsu at thirty, so not too far off from from forty, and it was a yeah, big, yeah. big learning experience for me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like what the heck? Yeah, I, remember, uh, I wrestled ever since I was a little kid, and then that's how I found jujitsu because I didn't have anything to do, um, anything close to wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like once you're in your mid twenties, if you're not a a champion, if you're not an Olympic guy, Olympian, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know? So I found jujitsu and I just remember sitting in my car thinking, there's nothing gentle about this art. Like my <laughs> face is hurting. My neck's hurting, man. I got gee rash all over me, you know, from getting choked out. And it was in Miami, so it's even mi- more miserable. Yeah. You can imagine, you know, wearing a gi and that kind of heat and humidity. I, yeah, just, I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did it, but I did it. Yeah, so yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's... so yeah, I I first I first found out about you on uh, Andy Stump's podcast, Cleared Hot. Oh, I think cool. the first yeah. time first time you were on there, and I've been following you online ever since. Uh, you were pretty interest oh, interesting dude, so it's pretty cool to be able to sit here and talk with you. Yeah, thanks, dude. Yeah, I was just talking to Andy today about his podcast. So he just that dude's busy. Dude, his his podcast has become one of my favorites. Yeah, it, it really is. It's like I, I like everything, like the full auto Fridays that yeah. he does, you know, and I, I like all of them. He has some really cool guests on, and you know, he's he, he's a he's a really well rounded dude. Yeah, it seems seems like he's putting more attention into that podcast over since the whole COVID stuff has happened. Yeah, because yeah, because it killed a lot of stuff that he was doing. I'm I mean, sure there's a lot of public speaking and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And COVID shut all that down. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, well, you take a guy like that that's got a high drive, you know, and he's going to put it into something. So, yeah, you know, th- thankfully he put it into his podcast, you know. And yeah, it's it's gotten better. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably my number one right now that I listen. I make sure I listen every week because it's you can tell he's put a lot more work into it because it's gotten so much better, especially with the guests he's bringing on and and all that. It's yeah. it's pretty good. For sure, yeah, for sure. He's yeah, I like it better than Brogan, actually. I, I I'm getting to that same point too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I yeah, I'm like sure I, that's I where. Still like, I was gonna say it? I'm sure that's where most people probably found out about him was on Rogan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm starting to like it more, you know, than than Rogan, or not starting to. I do like it more than Rogan. It's just, you know, sometimes with some of the uh, subject, you know, material stuff on Rogan, I just kind of get lost. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm the same with Kevin here. He he enjoys like when Rogan brings on like the in depth scientist. Kevin's a uh, major in what oh, astrophysics. Astrophysics. So oh, holy cow. he enjoys yeah, all that stuff. It, I'm in over my head when I'm hearing it, but he he enjoys that no, stuff. I love, I love it. Like he's had on what two different alien podcasts this week, right? One yeah. was the abduction. The other one was. Uh, about Umamayu, mm-hmm. those you know, which I haven't seen because I don't have fucking Spotify. Like, I refuse. I, I'm like, <laughs> fuck Spotify, dude. Like, I, yeah, I yeah. won't. I won't. Yeah, I won't do Spotify. No. So yeah, that's I'm not gonna do it. That's where I listen now. I, I listen to most of mine on Spotify now, but it's yeah. Rogan went right over to Spotify, and that's the only place you can get it. I wonder if he lost lost any viewers. I doubt it. Well, He's well, probably well. Plus, like, I have a. a pretty brand pretty new samsung nice tv and with the spotify app on it you can't watch video oh i think you're and supposed I, to be able to 
No, not even on those. Like you have to do it through like iPad, iPhone, oh, wow. whatever. I was like, oh, I, I don't, I kind of like the video oh. because I don't know. Yeah, I do, but yeah, I've never been a big ever. video watcher for podcasts. I, I listen to the, usually just the audio. Yeah, but a lot of people like the video. Uh, we we actually just started doing video for this two episodes ago, mm-hmm. and we're putting actually oh, putting the video cool. up, and it's get it's getting some yeah. views, which is cool. I I don't know if I want my ugly mug being out there for everybody to see, but but it is. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, it, I think you know. I think it's like you said. Some people like the video, and appreciate the video, and, mm-hmm. and or and the combination. I I like I like being able to just listen to podcasts. I listen to them when I run, and because um, I if I listen to music, I don't know about you guys, but if I listen to music while I run, I tend to meter myself up and down with the music. Mm-hmm. You know, so the pace of the music kind of messes me all up. I'm trying to. I've been trying for the last year to do more heart rate type training. So paying attention to my heart rate, make sure I'm staying in different zones and stuff. And, uh, so the way, the way around that was that I had to just listen to a podcast because then it's just someone talking. It's interesting. And I'm not, there's no tempo. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing's going to like get in my head and make me start running faster. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like I'd be breathing too damn hard I'm to hear it. Like, Darn it. <laughs> No, I, I do that last time I ran. Yeah. I, I, I put the headphones in and I was going too fast, too hot out of the gate. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was like, fuck, like, yeah. I'm half a mile from the house already. Like, I got to, like, turn around and walk for a little bit. You know, like, yeah. Inside, like, I'd, like, turning music down to start pacing myself for the other two miles, you know, like, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I kind of, there's a lot I want to talk to you about. Like I said, I heard you on Cleared Hot and thought you were a super interesting dude. Uh, so you were a police officer for how long? Yeah, so 22 years. Damn. So I, I spent 22 years yeah, in a, in a pretty decent-sized city, uh, northwest of Chicago, and um, pretty varied, fortunately, pretty varied career. You know, I was able to bounce around a lot and uh, work in numerous special divisions. And, um, yeah, and then I spent another couple years working part-time after I retired in 2018. And then I've spent the last couple of years working part time for a really cool uh, chief. It's a small town in uh, northwest Illinois, and it's out in the country, so it's kind of cool. And the chief there is super awesome. You know, he's just a good dude and leads from the front. You know, which to me that's always kind of an oxymoron, right? Or a, you know, a contradiction to say lead from the front because that should be just a given, right? But right. <laughs> he's definitely one of those dudes. That, you know, if he's telling you to do something, he's doing it too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a real, it's real cool to work for him. So, yeah, 20, 20 years. Yeah, I, I wonder, like now yeah. nowadays, I wonder if people are even wanting to be cops with like the scrutiny they're under nowadays. It's insane. Yeah, they're <laughs> they are. You know, I've got a lot of guys that train with me that want to want to get into the field and into the profession. And they do, and there's like a side of me that wants to tell them not to. Like, hey, go be a if you want to serve the community, go be a firefighter, um, go do something working within the community that doesn't put you in the in the spotlight like being an officer would. Mm. But at the same time, I kind of know that drive, and I know that nothing. I I'm not going to talk them out of it. No, you know. And but it is difficult right now, um, especially. You, know, you have a younger guy 
all the guys that I talked to and everybody that I went to the academy with, everybody they had the same thing. Like, no, I never once heard anybody say, hey, I want to be the police because I want to drive fast and shoot guns. I mean, you know what I mean? If they do or whatever. But for the most part, guys get into it and gals get into it because they want to help people. You know, like they want to, they want to be that person in somebody's time of need that steps up and stands in the gap and they want to do that. And so it's hard to tell somebody who has that drive to serve, uh, not to do that. Mm. But, but, but it, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard right now. There's a lot of scrutiny and, and there's two sides to that, right? The one side is there's scrutiny because there's been issues. But then the other side of that is the issues have been kind of blown out of proportion in comparison, mm. you know, if you have hundreds of thousands of contacts with the police every single day, and then of those hundreds of thousands of contacts that, and some involve use of force, you have like a 0.02% that are excessive or unnecessary. Is it really an entire profession that needs to be indicted? You know, that's that's kind of what I'm look how I look at it. You know, I mean, yeah. if doctors have a greater rate of error or even ethical issues or dentists or priests or whatever it is, or even like the mail carrier, you know, there was a scandal recently where these mail carriers were just it's too hard to deliver the mail. So this guy was just piling it all in a, in a garage, somewhere, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, so that way he could come back in with an empty truck. Um but that doesn't indict everybody in the profession. You know, that just indicts that knucklehead. And so I think there's that part of it, too. You know, like, yeah, man, I, I welcome the scrutiny. I have no problem with scrutiny because I'm not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you, you see me have to arrest somebody and have to use force to arrest them and the force wasn't what you think it should be because this person watches Steven Seagal do some flowy wrist lock sequence, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, in a movie and thinks that actually works against some dude who's cracked out or, or just maybe having the worst day of his life. You know, maybe he just caught his, his woman cheating mm-hmm. and he's out of his mind, mad and upset and crazy and smashing stuff up. I mean, I feel for him, but I still got to stop him. Yeah. You know, I can't let him harm the public. I can't let him harm other people. And so if I got to get on that dude's back and choke him out, I can't have some senator who's never even been in a fist fight in their entire life tell me that was unnecessary or that was excessive. Yeah. Like, that's probably the most cool thing I could do to that guy. Yeah. You know, I would rather be choked out than tased any day of the week, yeah. even pepper spray. But, you know, but that's the thing. It's just, it's a tough. It's a tough place to be um, because I I understand the scrutiny and I welcome it. But on the other side of it is I just wish we could have the scrutiny conducted by people who have a clue. Mm. You know, like if you were to tell me, like you train jujitsu, if you were to tell me like, hey, man, I want to take a look at your use of force. I'd be like, cool, you know, because you're going to know exactly what I'm doing. But if I have somebody who's spent their career sitting in, a, in an office in Congress somewhere, never been in a fight, and any fighting they need to do gets handled by dudes that are well-armed, 
standing nearby, are they really going to know what they're looking at? Exactly. Are they, you know, and so that's where it kind of gets, for me, that's where it gets a little like, okay, like, yes, yeah, scrutinize away, man. I have no issues. Like, follow me. I, I, I have no problem wearing a body cam. Yeah. You know, I got nothing to hide, you know. But, but at the same time, though, allow me to explain why things went the way they went on that body cam footage, mm-hmm. you know, and give me the leeway of saying, like, it's not easy to control somebody. It's not easy to pin somebody down and put handcuffs on them or even just pin them down until they chill. You know, I've been in those situations where I just, you know, you break up a fight, you know, and you get the aggressor off and you hold him down until he gets himself together. And then you go, hey, man, anybody going to press charges here? You know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a fight, right? Nobody wants to press charges. All right, man, well, you guys have a good night, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But nowadays, I might, I might end up in trouble for that. Yeah. You know, so what are my options? Yeah, that's yeah. something we've yeah. been wanting to bring on either existing police officers, like current police officers or former, because we, we have a lot of friends here in Boise that we have a few friends here in Boise that are police officers. And I, I grew up in a family of police officers here in Idaho. And like Kevin and I both know that there's good cops. There's a lot of good cops. And sure. I'm sure there's some shitbag Bad ones too. That's gonna that's gonna happen oh, yeah. in anything. But it's I think it's important for people to to hear from the good ones and and give them a different perspective. Because there's some people, depending on where they live, maybe all they deal with is shitheads. But like growing yeah. up, growing up here, the the cops were always really cool. Yeah, for the well, most part. And, well, I mean, think about a lot of it's a society. It's sociological, right? Like if you look at Japan, those motherfuckers are still disciplined as fuck. You know, if you catch someone littering on the sidewalk there, people will check that motherfucker. Oh, yeah. You know, and now in the States, where most of us are raised to be entitled, you can't tell me what to do or how to how to behave. And so, as soon as a cop who's maybe just normal as fuck pulls you over, is like, hey, do you know why I pulled you over? And they're threatened. Because, like, you're basically talking to me like I'm an idiot or, like, I don't know what I'm doing or I'm doing something wrong. It's just the fact yeah. that people react the wrong way and they... Even politicians refuse to, to make them take accountability for that. No, it's the officer's fault. He should have been nicer. I don't know. Maybe that person needs some fucking character development, you know. But yeah. no, no one wants to address the hard route. The hard route is fixing character development. Because then you have to go back to the educational system and shitty fucking dads and everything else. You know, like it's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to yeah, fix a lot of things. Sure. But the easy route is just to blame a police officer. Oh, yeah, he's a prick. Yeah, fuck him, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like you said, there are guys that are shitheads. And if anybody hates those guys, it's us. I you bet. Because they, they taint the entire profession. Like, I worked my ass off to always be in shape, to always represent well, um, to always, like, if I'm in uniform, the, your first use of force is presence, right? Officer presence is use of force. And the easiest way to illustrate that is how do you drive when a cop's behind you right like their presence forced you to adapt your behavior and so when i when i show up on a scene i always wanted to look like and handle myself and carry myself in a way that made the people that called 911 feel like they got the right officer you know and yeah. i always wanted to be the one that if if my family called 911 i want somebody like me to show up mm-hmm 
know, I want somebody that's, that's dialed in and squared away. And nothing annoys guys like me. And I'm not the only one. I mean, dudes influenced me to be like that. You know, um, other officers were like, hey, man, this is how we handle ourselves. This is what we do. This is how we carry ourselves. So I was influenced by and mentored to be that way. And, and, and so there's nothing, nothing more annoying, to put it lightly, than an officer who doesn't carry themselves in that way. And, and if you can imagine how intolerant those of us that are like me feel towards the guy that's a slob, the guy that doesn't take it serious, the guy who doesn't dig in and find out what really happened here on this call and just wants to blow it off, just wants to be late. Like those guys annoy us. Mm -hmm. So you can only imagine what we feel towards the guys who are, who shouldn't be on the job, who are, who like, like we can't wait to catch that dude screwing up, Mm -hmm. you know, because now it's like, Hey man, you got to go, you know, you need to be gone before you become an issue that makes national news. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because now we're all indicted. Yeah. You know, yeah. because of this one idiot. And so, man, yeah, there was, there was never any mercy for those dudes. Yeah. And that's know, like, and, that's the way it should be, you know, like, and I think that's in any profession. If you have yeah. someone who doesn't take pride in their work or, or even just do a good job, they should be scrutinized for that and oh, yeah. taken care of. Um, but it's, I'm sure it's a little, little harsher and a little bigger of a deal when you're in the, you're a police officer because you yeah. could, you could be it's dealing with life, or, life or death or whatever. But I know we had a, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, like a month ago, we had a officer involved shooting here. And I guess they pulled a guy over. The guy got out with a knife, got the police officer in the face with the knife and the other police officer mowed him down real quick. He died. He died. The police officer that got stabbed survived, thank God. Right. And it was, I saw it on the news for what, two days? And then I haven't heard anything about it. Right. So it was, which is good. Cause I, I mean, obviously he was getting attacked. He, sure. The, the guy got yeah. what was coming to him. Yeah. And I've, I've driven, I drive past where that happened almost every day. And people have like a memorial and stuff set up for the guy. You know, it sucks. Anybody loses their life. But yeah. I mean, when you, go at a police officer with a weapon, what, what do you expect is going to happen? It's, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. You, you take all my options away from me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's like, like you said, any profession you want to do to the best of your ability. I don't care if I'm turning wrenches, you know, in an oil change place, I want to rock, you know, I want to be the guy, you know, mm-hmm. like we all do. Like I want to be the guy that the boss looks at and goes, Hey man, you mind doing, you know, changing the oil on my family car? Cause I know, you do the best job. And the, the, the difference I think really is that with police officers, firefighters, um, e- even nurses and docs, right. And th- there's that element of public trust, like the public trust you with this enormous amount of power and responsibility. Don't mess it up, you know, and, and don't do something that, that, but that tarnishes all the rest of it, you mm-hmm. know? So I wish the public knew that part of it. You know, I wish the public knew more about that side of it, where there are officers that just do not want that. Do not want those guys that bring even the chance of that 
on us. We don't want them. You know, <laughs> like we don't, I don't want that guy on my call. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't want anything to do with that guy. And, and it's not, nobody's protecting those guys. Nobody's looking out for them. You know, we want them gone. Mm -hmm. Like how much easier would policing be if those guys weren't around? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know? like yeah. what if, imagine like a perfect world where the public knew that every officer was above reproach. Mm -hmm. How much easier would policing be? Yeah. You know, like if they knew like, Hey, this is what happened. This is why I made this call. This is why I did what I did. And the public knew, well, then that's absolutely 100% correct. Mm. These guys, their integrity is without question. Their ethics are without question. We're good with it. I mean, how much more easy would it be to put, cause it's like, you know, Peel's principles, the, the guy from England, who's kind of the father of community oriented policing. I think it was back in the 1800s. He said, you know, we, we police at the public's consent, you know, and that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, there's times the city I worked in was close to 200,000 people. Um, there were nights where we'd have 12 guys, hmm. you know, on patrol. How are we going to hold, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. just a pure numbers game, man. If the public suddenly decides they've had enough of our shit, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. yeah. You know? and, uh, so we, we police at the public's consent. We police with their permission. You and know? What was it? So, I, I heard you on a different podcast talking about when you were an officer, you lived in like a house, like right in the middle of the yeah. inner city or something. Yeah. So what they do is they find an at-risk neighborhood and based on crime stats, they will put you there. So they'll rent a house and you live in the house and then you're expected to be a liaison between city resources and that neighborhood. So you kind of have to, I mean, it's a really delicate game. You have to get all of the community activists in those areas and all the community groups in those areas, as well as the city um, resources, like crazy as it sounds like the water department or um, public uh, public works, you know, the guys that plow the streets and all that kind of like get all those guys together and get everybody on the same page. And it's kind of the broken windows theory was what was behind that, which is, I don't know if you guys, are you guys familiar with broken windows theory? Mm -mm. At all. Mm -mm. all right. It's a law enforcement thing, but um, um, basically it's, if you put a car on the street, Un unharmed, you leave it there, you just abandon it, just leave it parked there for a couple weeks, nothing will happen. But if you break a window in that car, by the end of the week, that car will be completely vandalized. Mm, makes sense. Because now you've kind of made that kind of like Lord of the Flies thing, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. You've, you've, you've made it okay to go ahead and vandalize and, and kind of go to the baser instincts of our, our human nature. And so the way we operated under that theory was if a house is run down, um, the yards over overgrown, uh, the sidewalks are crumbling and destroyed. There's graffiti everywhere. All these things. We need to fix it. We need to make it so that this is the neighborhood that the people that live in the neighborhood are proud of mm -hmm. and, and that they, they then take ownership of that neighborhood because again back to policing at the consent of the people i can't be everywhere at once but if i have 100 people 
in this neighborhood who suddenly care about everything that happens in the neighborhood. They want the streets to be clean. They want their kids to be able to walk home from school without being harassed by gangbangers or or the threat of a drive-by um, or, or whatever it may be. Then now I've got literally an army of people working with me for the for the greater good of this neighborhood. And then if we can get enough of these neighborhoods happening throughout the town or throughout the city, then we're going to turn the city around. We're going to make a difference. And and that's so that was the uh, that was the premise of that program. And I was really proud to work in it. And I was in it for five years. And uh, we did some good work. We had uh, over 500 kids go through our after school programs. Uh, we did a, um, you know, I found out some kids. I, I never knew about this until I was in that program. There's kids that they'll eat their last meal Friday at uh, school lunch. Mm-hmm. That'll be their last meal, man, until Monday school breakfast. It's horrible. So, Right. Yeah, it's, it's really terrible to think, you know, in the United States, this happens and, but it does. And so these kids Saturday, Sunday, they're kind of on their own. And you look at that problem and, and, you know, it's like Kevin said, you know, like there's no father around, there's no, um, family structure. And so these kids are kind of left to raise each other. And how does that turn out? Well, for anybody, mm. you know, like we turned out the way we turned out because we had mentors and, parents and family and adults in our lives that were like, Hey dude, don't do that. Yeah. You know, (laughs) or, you know, sometimes not that gentle, you know, (laughs) but kept us out of trouble, you know? And if you have kids raising kids and then on top of that, these kids are hungry, like literally hungry. Mm -hmm. They're going to, they're going to make do, they're going to figure it out. And, and especially when we understand violence, violence happens for three reasons, right? Like it's either, some sort of uh, social dominance, right? Like typical bar fight, you know, or whatever it might be. But then there's there's violence for acquisition. You mm-hmm. know, there's violence because you have something and I need it or I want it. You know, and the third is just the psycho, you know, violence just because they get off on violence. And that's so small a percentage, we really don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But when you have kids who come up, the only way they can get a meal on the weekend is if they take it. Yeah. You know? What's that telling that kid? And then when that kid's 18, if he's not dead or in prison already, now we got to deal with him. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, well, how about we intercept this when they're eight, nine, 10 years old and show them a better way? And, um, and so fortunately, you know, I had some awesome support, just amazing people from the neighborhood who would never accept credit for anything. I mean, I, I had a guy. One year, he worked in a meat um, process. He managed a meat processing plant in Chicago. He talked to his boss, and they donated every every year for every major holiday. They would donate anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty full meals. Oh wow! Turkey, the whole thing. So I just had to, and through my program, I kind of knew you know situations, and so we were able to just you know, kind of like secret Santa type thing, you know what I mean? Just kind of ding dong ditch, you know, and leave a whole box of, and a meal for these folks, you know, on their, on their doorstep. And, um, you know, things like that, man, it just, you know, when, when you have the community working together with the resources that we can bring through the city, it's amazing, man. We had like public works would bring in a dumpster 
and uh, we called it spring cleanup, fall cleanup. They would bring in a dumpster, same thing on that broken windows theory. We drop that dumpster right at the corner of, you know, like an intersection. And we would just start at one end of that street and go to the other and just clean that block up, man. And, um, you know, we tell people like, hey, if you, you want to get rid of stuff, you got the stuff in your yard, we're going to throw it in the dumpster. You know, I mean, you got to take ownership. You got to come out here and help us. Mm-hmm, but yeah. we're here to help and and clean the graffiti off and all that stuff. And, and it's amazing. You know, I had one kid say to me one time. He said, man, he goes, my neighborhood looks looks like those neighborhoods you see up on the north end now, you know, which is a more gentrified, you know, mm-hmm. area of town. And he's like, yeah, we, our neighborhood's starting to kind of look like that now. Yeah. I was like, yeah, man, how's that feel? He's like, good. Mm-hmm. You know, feels good. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know. You know, it's like if I only give you what, like, if I only gave you vanilla ice cream, you might think that's good, you know, for that's all you ever got. But if I gave you a banana split, you might be like, holy Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is way better. If I let you live in a, in a neighborhood where pit bulls run free, not again, nothing against pit bulls, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just untethered roaming the streets and they're attacking little kids and stuff. And there's drive-bys and there's prostitutes and there's all kinds of and drug dealers and drug addicts and everything else. And that's what you see all the time. And you just think that's what I deserve, you know, because this is where I live. And up on these other neighborhoods, maybe they're just better off or people care more about them than they do about us. And so that's why our neighborhood is a shithole. Mm. You, hey. We can turn this around, but we got resources and we, we, we can come in here and make your neighborhood just as nice, you know, but you got to take, you got to take some ownership, you know, yeah. and you got to help me. Um, man, a month later, man, people are in it, dude. They buy in. They see that you mean it. They, that's, they see that you're going to follow through. They see that you're going to do it. And, and then they buy you out there sweating they see you out there you know doing what it takes to to make the neighborhood better and and they come in they come in and they join and then and then now they know like hey we could have a nice neighborhood mm-hmm. like we could have a nice a nice place to live a place where we don't have to worry about where our kids sleep so they don't get hit by a, an errant round doing yeah. you know some sort of drive-by or something and once they once they buy in man it really starts to build momentum and change the neighborhoods so yeah, that was that was the resident officer program, and we did some good work, man. We did some real good work. That's that's really cool. Yeah, because like grow, growing up here, we we've always had a pretty low crime rate here, and sure. we and a lot of police. We have I don't know how many police officers we have here, but it's always seemed like there's yeah. plenty. There's plenty of them. <laughs> yeah, sure. and, and it's, you know it's funny. My wife has family down in like L.A., and anytime yeah. they've come here, like. They'll be speeding and stuff, and I'm like, "Hey, you don't want to do that here. Our cops do not yeah. have that much to do, and so they're they're <laughs> looking for stuff to do. Yeah, right. And yeah. they they will pull you over if you're going like five over. It's not like L.A. where you can get away with it. Yeah, right. But I mean, that's that's a good problem to have, you know. And we we're growing, oh, yeah. we're we're growing, and the population's getting bigger and bigger. And with that's going to come crime and co- come other things as well. Sure. Uh, Boise's ma- managed to stay pretty clean and pretty nice. Uh, and hopefully it continues to stay that way. Yes. Yeah. 
I, I like the growth. I like I see the good and bad with it. Um, yeah. I, I enjoy better restaurants, better coffee shops, stuff like that that we didn't have when we were younger. But I would kind of wish it would slow down a little because this place is blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. I think everywhere has kind of that spurt and then it, then it chills. Yeah. 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 You guys just need rougher winters. That's what it is. <laughs> rougher winters, man. It's scare people off. This has been the most mild winter wow. I think I've ever seen. This is this has been beautiful sunshine, and I think we've got snow like twice, and it was barely anything. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, sure. I was walking around today in like t-shirt and jeans. I yeah. couldn't believe it. Yeah, I'm sure it's it a little, not little that different. Way when I left yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, miserable would be. The weather forecast for Chicago right now. Yeah, that's, that's so, what I, I've never I've never been back that way, but I've heard it gets pretty miserable in the wintertime. Yeah, if you can visit in the spring or fall, that would be a great time. Yeah, Chicago's a cool city, a lot of cool things to see, but not in the summertime because it's just, it's claustrophobic. You mm-hmm. know, it's so, the humidity mm-hmm. is so, so heavy, and um, it, you know, they call it the Windy City, but there's no wind blowing in the summer. Yeah. And, uh, but spring and fall, it's actually just, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous, you know, and there's so much, so many cool things to do there. Just mm-hmm. amazing little town or city. Yeah. So I have a question for you. What do you think? Like when people say like police officers, all of them should have, you know, some jujitsu background or some, do you agree with that? Do you think it would yeah. be better off? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I I've, I've said it forever that every officer should be blue belt. There's no reason why they couldn't be. Um, if you think about it, most places require a degree at this point. So if you start training in jujitsu, when you start studying criminal justice, um, you start working on getting your degree, you start training at the same time. By the time you graduate and can start your job search, you're a blue belt. That's four years, mm-hmm. you know, and you're a blue belt. And then by the time you get on the job, it might take a year to get hired, you know, um, and go through the process and all that stuff. And you get picked up somewhere. Well, man, now you're like a one or two stripe blue belt on your way to being a purple belt. You're not going to run into anything mm-hmm. on the street that's going to give you any trouble compared to what you encounter every day in your gym. Yeah. You know. And you're going to know how to control a person. I mean, the whole art of jujitsu is how to submit people using the least amount of energy as possible, the mm-hmm. least amount of, of athleticism as possible. And so when you do have to hit that nitrous button and, and use athleticism and speed and all that stuff, it's usually against somebody who's equal or a little higher than you in skill and all that stuff. On the street, you're just not going to run into that guy. Mm. You, you know, most of the guys you run into on the street are, I mean, you guys have probably seen them, you know, they, they got beer muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, they're not, they're not fighters. They're not athletes for the most part. And, and also they're under the influence, you know, they're, they're not a hundred percent. And you're as a, as a jujitsu guy or gal, you're going to be, even your 90% is going to be greater than the average person's hundred yeah. percent. So you know, even if you're running it, say you, you know, you were in court all day, you got no sleep, you know, you haven't eaten, you know, maybe a little dehydrated. So you're at 70%. You're still better than the average person. Are you still there? <laughs> I 
Oh, yeah, man. We froze up. Yeah, we did. Yeah. You're back now. We're good. <laughs> right there? Yeah. Yeah, we got you. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah I would imagine, too. All right. I don't know what we lost. Uh, we we were we we only missed you for like two seconds. I think it wasn't too bad. Okay, yeah. but I would imagine too, like it would help with handling stress too, doing jujitsu and then being a police officer. Because I mean, I'm no expert by any means. I've done jujitsu for like two years, on and off, a couple times. So, but I even that I realize how much better I am at handling high stress situations. Because nothing nothing I go through in my day mm-hmm. compares to having somebody on my back trying to put me to sleep, you know, it's exactly it's like, yeah, that's the thing. And, and I mean, you've been probably stuck underneath somebody's mouth. You've had somebody in like side control or knee ride, just trying to crush the life out of you. And then you get on a call and somebody's, you know, talking gibberish or whatever. And in your head, you're just kind of laughing. Mm. This is nothing compared to what I just was doing three hours ago. Yeah. You know, and also, like you said, the stress relief aspect of it, the the mental health aspect of it is so important. Mm. Um, get, getting on that mat and just being able to work and exert yourself and and strive against another person with equal and opposing will, it, it's really important. And and it, it, it rubs off all those rough edges. It, it you know all the benefits of jujitsu that regular folks feel it's even more important for a person that's going to be in law enforcement. You know, it really is. And also here's the other thing with jujitsu. Jujitsu is an activity that calls for help. You get, you, you might start jujitsu in poor, in poor condition, but you get into better condition first off through the actual act of doing jujitsu. But then also what I noticed with students is, they, they start drinking more water because, hey, man, I roll. I was rolling, I cramped, and I had to stop. Mm. Or I gassed out, and I had to stop. And it's like, man, you're not really gassed out. You're just dehydrated. You're not eating. Your, you're not fueling yourself properly. And so then they start getting into how to eat properly, and they start getting into, you know, hydration and stretching, and then they want to do some strength work, you know. And it's just one of those things where it just starts this momentum going, where they become a healthier person because they're found, they're they're doing a healthy activity, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's why it's so beneficial as well. So many agencies are offering incentives for guys to get in shape and qualify, do the fitness qualification a couple times a year, and do all these other things. And and I'm thinking that yeah, I get what they're trying to do, but rather than tell this guy, hey, you need to lose thirty pounds, or we're going to medical you out. Um, how about you just get them to go to jujitsu and through the process of a healthy activity, they'll begin to become healthy because they need to be healthy to do this activity that they're going to fall in love with. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like if I, I want to come in and I want to be able to roll for an hour at open mat. Well, guess what? I need to do some cardio, probably need to hydrate and probably need to eat some good nutrient dense food that day. Yeah. And right there I'm healthy. You know, like mm-hmm. it wasn't some, you know, 42 day fitness challenge and or anything like that. It's You're just right. it becomes a lifestyle that they can sustain. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And, yeah. Kevin's way better versed on a lot of that than I am. I, he's he's like my go to guy when it comes to diet and, and exercise and everything, because he, he was a gym owner and stuff like that. Oh, cool. But just from from him, I've learned a ton, a ton of stuff on 
diet and all that. Nice. Yeah, number number one thing is just to cut your fucking sugar out. <laughs> yeah. I guess the easiest thing right there, just like get rid of your sugar and then, yeah. then we can approach everything else. But yeah, that sugar first. Yeah, that's uh, that stuff's poison, man. The link of um, from sugar to cancer and all the other things, it's it's just amazing when yeah. you start looking into that stuff. It's like, man, I know, and it it's it's it's. I feel like not to be like too like hand wavy here, but I feel like a lot of people are paid off to just not say anything or say it's not that bad. Well, it's not really sugar; it's meat. Like what? I've, that was in a couple different documentaries. It's not sugar; it's meat. I get fucked because real scientists completely disagree with that. You right. know? Yeah. Yeah. But are, yeah. aren't you, are you vegetarian? Is that? Yes. Yeah. I, I thought you were. Yeah, I, yeah. That would be so hard for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I went through a period. So, um, when I was doing strongman training, the period about eight years that I, I only ate meat and eggs. That's all I ate. Ooh. I didn't eat anything but meat and eggs. So, I guess what they call a carnivore diet. Right? Yeah. My breakfast would be a big bowl of meat, and all that good stuff. Um, and then I had the aneurysm, and I had migraines for 24 hours a day for about three months. Ooh. And because I had uh, what they call intracranial swelling, so my brain was pushing out against my skull Ooh. as a result of the aneurysm. And my neurologist, she kept saying, hey, just cut red meat out for a little while and let's see what happens. And because I, I wasn't having, I had no sugar in my system. I had, I basically had a restart because I was in the hospital in uh, critical care. So I basically had a restart. And um, so I cut out red meat and the headache went away. Um, within two weeks, I was off the headache medication. And it's hard for me to be a little bit in, you know, like, I'm, right. it's hard. so I just, I cut out everything. I cut out chicken, uh, all that stuff. I just cut everything. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, w- it wasn't really like an ethical thing on my part. I was, I was careful to point that out to people cause I don't want them to think that there's any kind of crusade on my part. It was just, <laughs> man, my head hurt, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in pain Yeah. and that was the only thing left to try. We had tried everything. I was on 18 medications. Um, Jeez. 22 actually i was on 18 preventatives and then i had um four that i was to take in case of emergency like if it got too great and there was nobody to drive me to the er to get the shots that i needed then i could take these medications until i could get somebody to get me to the er wow. so having that being up against that wall made me reconsider some things and i thought well okay i'll try it i'm, I'm desperate yeah, 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 totally. I just figured I'd, I'd bring up that you were a vegetarian before Kevin went on a shit talk about vegetarians. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh man, that's cool. I get it, dude. I, no, I don't. You know, here's the thing. So John Joseph, I don't know if you guys know who John Joseph is. He's a yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. leading here with the Cro-Mags and all that. And he's a vegan, uh, well, plant based. He hates the word vegan because he's like vegans make it so hard for me to ever talk to anybody right about how I eat or what I eat or. And it's the same for me. You know, I, I didn't do it for any ethical reason, anything like that. I did it because I was in pain. Mm-hmm. And now I just continue to do it because once you're in that kind of pain, you're afraid to ever 
do that again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, man, I don't even want to take a chance. You know, and I mean, it's weird. It messes with you a little bit because, I mean, you know how, like, when you walk out on a cold day and you get that first, you know, intake of really cold air, how your your head will kind of start to hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, man, when those, there was a couple times where that's happened, I actually kind of had, like, a moment of anxiety where I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, like, come on, man. Yeah. Not again, you know? And um, so that's where, I, where I'm at with all that. But I do get it because there are people, I get sick of hearing about it from people, you know, and then, you know, I'm just like, it's just, it's just how I choose to eat. It might not benefit other people. My brother eats completely the opposite of me. Yeah. You know? Like he is, he is a meditarian, you know, and um, it's just, you know, I, I, I think you got to do what works for you, mm-hmm. you know, and I think there's, there's a lot <clears throat> of ways to kind of get to the top of that, that mountain and, yeah. There are ways that might be more efficient. There might be, I might, I might be more healthy if I were eating more red meat or something of that nature. But, um, for me, it's just, I don't ever, I don't ever want to be in that kind of pain again. Maybe we got, no. you have to do what's right for you. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. kind of how I get if I'm having shit, sugar, gluten, or just too many processed carbs, carbs, and even if it's just bread or rice in general, like I start yeah. getting headaches. It's just the inflammation yeah. of the brain. Right. Yeah, right. And that's why I'm on like, you know, testosterone replacement and, uh, you know, uh, uh, like vitamin D supplements, stuff like that to keep the inflammation down. Cause it's like right. from blast injuries and everything. Right. So, yeah, yeah. um, and so like I'm on this protocol just to keep the inflammation down. Cause I get, cause I was on, you know, sumatriptan and all that other shit for migraines yeah. and, and I've never, I haven't had to take it, you know, but I do also moderate my meat, you know, I'm doing right now two servings a day, five days a week. The other two days, it's like one serving and a protein shake, you know, the days sure. where I don't really need to eat a lot, eat like twice a day if I'm not working out. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, no, so it's different for everybody. Cause I've no, I mean, I mean, regardless, I guess, cause I like, I have friends who are, you know, vegans or vegetarians, you know, and, and I don't biased at anyone where my biased is the documentaries like just clowning fucking documentaries because they're all incorrect essentially because they're trying sure. to sell something you know yeah. um but uh it's like regardless yes too much meat and the hormones of putting meat if you're buying cheap meat is mm-hmm. fucking your hormones up which means yeah. it's messing your brain up your chemistry up you right. too many plants and greens right vegetables are plants and plants protect themselves from the environment so they create oxidative st- stress in your brain. Oxidative stress is the precursor right to dementia, Alzheimer's, stuff like that, right? So it's just about moderation and everything. We can't just right. eat, you know. And that's why with greens, that's why with vegetarians, I think it's awesome to nerd out on it. To like be like micronutrient profiling so we're not having to just slam tons of tons of vegetables we don't need to be having every day, right? All um, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, yeah, that- yeah, but I'm totally down with that. Like for sure, like vegans... Because I think most of my diet is vegetables. I just also eat meat is with it, you know. So yeah, I don't want to come off as biased or anything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, man, I get it. And uh, you know, I mean, I've I've experimented with every possible diet, and I think it's like you said at the end of the day, eliminate the processed stuff. Yeah, and you'll be so much happier. You'll you'll feel so much better. I I don't care what it is that you're eating. Just eliminate 
as much processed stuff as possible. You know, try to eat quality meats. If you're going to eat meat, like my friend Craig Douglas, he eats high quality meats, you know, and he's noticed a difference. You know, um, a lot of my other friends too, you know, they, they'll, you know, they, they, they eat one meal a day, maybe two. And so it's a little easier on them, you know, to have that one meal be something spectacular, you yeah. know? And, totally. um, uh, but yeah, there's, there's so much to that. I think the real issue is, is going to come back to process stuff and, and in process stuff, particularly sugars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know my wife here a couple months ago, she went on this kick of buying organic everything that we eat and I felt the difference. Yeah. And it might be in my head maybe because no, I'm no. thinking, Oh, it's organic. It's healthy. But I, I feel like I really felt, and that was with, you know, milk and eggs and everything we have. It was, yeah. she, she was buying all organic and I, I feel better. It almost feels cleaner. I don't know if that makes You're sense. You're cutting down more sugar. It's maybe if it's not gluten free, maybe it's less gluten dense because gluten that is that we've been manufacturing now is just intense. Hmm. I, for, yeah. I forget the guy on Joe Rogan said, but it was like something like 200 times more strong than it used to be or something. Hmm. But anyway, like, yeah, if you're cutting down on those things and the sugars, then I would imagine you would feel better, have more energy, testosterone yeah. goes up, you know, your thyroid functions better, you know. Yeah, I tried the I tried that carnivore diet a while back, and like the first three or four days, I felt really good, but yeah. I, I, I didn't. I should have looked into it a little more. I don't have a gallbladder, and oh, yeah, yeah. and man, it tore me up. It was bad. I was about a week and a half into it, and I was hurting, and yeah, no doubt. It was it was bad, so I ended up doing some research after that, and I read an article about like if you don't have a gallbladder, this is probably not the diet for you. And yeah. it, it was correct because the gallbladder, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, that yeah. messed me up pretty bad. But no doubt, yeah, I think that you know, there's so much, to, and I think the other thing too is, you know, you know, like Kevin was saying, you know, with the vitamin D and and that kind of zinc, all those things that yeah. that help you with naturally you know generating testosterone and keeping those levels up um people forget the role of the hormones in all of this stuff and the role of insulin in all of this stuff and mm. and you you have to eat in a way that balances that you know you have to eat in a way that that plays towards your strengths and that 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 keeps that at a, at a, a higher level and and one once you once you get on that train once you start researching that and eating in that manner it's really hard to go off of that. Yeah. You know, you know, because you feel so good. You yeah. Know, just, if you yeah, feel good, if you feel good sober, then why, why the fuck are you going to go store a bunch of Coke? And just <laughs> yeah, fuck yourself yeah. up. Like, <laughs> exactly. like what's yeah. basically what you're doing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, why would I derail my train? I'm, we're going and we're, we're heading in a good direction. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so how, yeah. How, how long did you say you're in Boise for? Uh, I'm going to be here for three weeks. Oh, nice. cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to be in town for three weeks. Um, doing whatever they need me to do. Yeah. So. I, I wish I would have known that earlier. We might've been able to make this work where we could have done this in person. <laughs> oh yeah. That was, yeah. that blew, that blew my mind yesterday when you, you messaged me and said that you were flying into Boise. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. And I, I know yeah. I've, I've seen you cause like I said, I follow you on Instagram and stuff. I've seen you here with, you know, doing stuff with SBG and, yeah. and all that. So that's, that's cool. Um, yeah. yeah, actually, I just re- most recently listened. You were on the top, the Top Mount guys, their their podcast, yeah. Yeah. which they've wow. they've kind of become friends of this podcast because we we know some mutual friends. Yeah, so so sh- shout out to those guys. Yeah, yeah. Al, Al is awesome. Those guys are awesome, man. 
Yeah, I, I'd like to sit down and talk with them one of these days, and we've talked a little bit about it, maybe when we can cross paths somewhere in there, but yeah, they seem like pretty cool dudes. Yeah, they're way cool. They're they're awesome. They love jujitsu, and they'll do anything they can to kind of promote the goodwill of all that stuff. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, my uh, my my jujitsu coach's wife does stuff with them. Uh, yeah. she's a what does she say she does? Not she's not sponsored by him, but she. It's like is endorsed. I don't know. She she does something with them. Yeah, it's and endorsed. and so that's yeah. how I found out about them, and they're, they're they seem like oh, pretty cool. pretty good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, for sure. All right, well, I guess we can wrap this up, man. Let you you get on with your evening. You've been traveling and stuff, so. Oh, you're frozen. Talk to me, man. It's been fun. There you go. <laughs> there you are. Yeah, and hopefully, maybe next maybe next time you're in town, we can sit down and do this in person. Yeah, I'd love to, man. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Cool, yeah. man. Well, um, I'm going to keep you on here after I stop it for a second. Just ask you a couple questions, but we do appreciate you coming on. All right, thanks. Take care.